I've said this before, and I want to say again how scary the book of Revelation used to be to me. And for a good reason, I think. It is full of images of chaos and pain and heartbreak. And as a young theologian, I came to understand the metaphor that John was working in this book, the metaphor of the beast, the metaphor of empire. He was prophesying and critiquing, and that's what apocalypse is. It's a revelation. It's a sea. It's a seeing of what's happening and a seeing what's coming. And he was prophesying and seeing about the beast, which was empire, which was Babylon, which was Rome. And in his revelation, he had frightening images of the way empire works, images of destruction, of, of devastation, of poverty, of hunger, uh, images of people at war, warring factions, images of the beast rising up out of the sea, which was a way he used to describe the chaos of empire from a Hebrew worldview. The sea is not like, let's go skiing on the water skis, but the sea is a place of tumult and pain and sorrow. So the images are frightening because he was frightened. The images are traumatizing because he was traumatized. And he carries that metaphor of beast all the way through the scriptures, even to this text. Last week, we talked about chapter 21, and we talked about there being a, a sense of, um, of wholeness and wellness, no more tears, no more crying, no more death. And this week, John is taking it, pushing it a little further, taking that city image, the image of the city in which we don't even need street lamps or light because God is so present, and he's taking us back to Genesis to remind us of what it looked like for there to be a peaceable kingdom, God's reign before humans got, you know, jiggy with it, if you will. <laughs> but that sense of animals living together and the, you know, the creation pure, the water pristine, and the, um, the vegetation lush until, quote, the, the human beings fell down and wanted to be like God. So can you hear what I read, the sense of hope, the sense that the people who were forbidden to eat the tree of life, now there is a tree of life. Instead of there being one fruit, and that one fruit not being an apple, it wasn't an apple. It's probably a pomegranate, but <laughs> kumquat, I don't know. It wasn't an apple. <clears throat> but that one, <laughs> I know, but that one fruit that they ate uh, cursed them because God told them not to eat it. And now in this text, there's a reversal. And it isn't that there's one fruit, it's that there are 12 kinds of fruit. So maybe an apple now, I don't know, but 12 kinds of fruit the number 12 in Jewish lore, meaning perfection or wholeness. So 12 tribes of people, uh, diversity of people, different kinds of fruit for all the fruity different kinds of people, I wanted to say to make you laugh. Um, but this is this kind of, yes, that, this kind of wild diversity that acknowledges how different we are and God wanting to nourish each of us exactly as we are. Can you hear that hope in that? Can you hear the hope once again that the city will be so full of God's glory, of God's presence? Um, John says there's no need for temple. There's no need for synagogue. because the light, no, no need for street lamps, y'all, gas or otherwise, because God's light is so profound that all of those things have passed away. Hear the hope in that, but hear the critique in that, a critique of religion. Like John's trying to put all the religious people out of work because <laughs> perhaps they have been empired 
is what he's saying. You with me? And so he takes this empire image all the way through this text where he now says, yes, yes, there was a throne of Caesar, and now the throne belongs to God and to the Lamb. And he's trying to say the one that God made emperor, the one that God set up to rule the world, is not a sword-carrying, you know, helmet-wearing, uh, violent person, but someone as soft and tender as a lamb to lead the sheep. Um, and they sit on the same throne, which John is saying the one who God appointed to lead us is like God. And God is like that person. So God is also, John is also dismantling the hierarchy. It isn't like this lamb is set up above all the people. The lamb is like the other lamb. Y'all with me? Hear the hope in that. And flowing from that throne where the one that is like God but is also human, on par, if you will, with all the other humans, from them flows the river of life. Do you know that Carly Simon's um, Let the River Run is um, inspired by this text? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it is. I don't know, I just wanted to share that with you <laughs> because I think it's fascinating that a, like a secular songwriter is also inspired by this vision of wholeness and healing and wellness, Let the River Run through all the nations. Here's this river running through the city. It's not a muddy river, it's not an East River, it's not the Hudson River. It's not the Detroit River. The, the children living next to it are not drinking dirty water. I just wanted to mention that. It is a clean, pure water that is the living water that is for all the people. And on either side of the river are the trees, that tree of life on either side, planted, and the leaves on the trees are for the healing of the nations, not the healing of the Jews John would have been writing to, not the healing of the Greek people who John would have been writing to, not the healing of the Christians who hear this text and think it's judgment on all the other people. Because, you know, the early church was a traumatized people, needing to set itself apart from the other people who were traumatizing them. And the church took in, interjected this sense of judgment and that all of the people are gonna become Christian and then God's gonna love them, but that's not what the text says. It says that the healing on the leaves of the trees are for all the people, all the goyim, all of the nations, everywhere, all of them, the black ones, the brown ones, the white ones, the, all the different kind of white ones, you know, when they had ethnicity. Yeah, Ukrainians and you know, Dutch and you with me, the British, all of the people. All of the people. All of the people. And then the one sitting on the throne says, it's finished, can you see it? Well, it's not finished. But there's a promise that it will be finished. In the first line of the book of Revelation, the writer of John, who we think is John, the beloved disciple, we think it's John who was with Jesus on the way, on the road, and touched Jesus' wounds when he resurrected. This John, who's now old, writes this book and says in the first line, I'm your brother in tribulation. Like if he's trying to identify himself, he's not saying I'm the disciple Jesus loved the most. He could have. He says, I'm your brother in tribulation. I'm your brother in tribulation. The word in the Greek there is a word 
flipsis, which is deeply difficult to say when you have an overbite. So say it for me, flipsis. See what I'm saying? Flipsis. T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. Who can say that? I can't. But it means, yeah, thank you. Stop now. It means, <laughs> it means tribulation. It means trauma. It means literally crushed down, physically pressed to the earth. It means impinged. It means squeezed. It means wounded. John does not identify himself as badass disciple of Jesus. He identifies himself as sibling in tribulation. It's a traumatized person who lived a life with Jesus, who watched his mentor, his beloved, get killed and rise again, who nonetheless wrestled with the whole testimony of such a thing, was cast out by the Roman emperor and sent to live on Patmos because he dared to believe in God instead of in Caesar. The traumatized one writes this text, full of images of beast and empire and that ends in hope, hope that the empire will be struck down. Hope that what is broken will be fixed. Hope that those who are lost will be found. Hope that those who are at enmity will be at peace. Hope that all of God's people everywhere will know that they're so loved that their trauma doesn't cause them to traumatize each other. Trauma, I just can't memorize this, maybe because it hurts. But the APA defines trauma as an emotional response to a terrible event, like an accident or a violation, children in the room, or a disaster. And the, the APA, the American Psychological Association, says there's three kinds of trauma. Acute trauma that happens from that one-time event. We lost our moms, trauma. Somebody violates you, trauma. Somebody hits an Asian auntie in the head while they're on the street, trauma. You feel me? Acute trauma. Chronic trauma is the repeated and prolonged of such a domestic violence or abuse or event like these. Trauma, the repeated beating of the Asian aunties because the stupid Trump called the flu Asian, trauma. Are you with me? And the complex trauma is exposure to varied and multiple traumatic events, often of an invasive interpersonal nature. Complex trauma. Asian people living in a context in America where all the Asian people are thingified. They're either beautiful and smart and shiny and sexually gorgeous and they play violin and math and they're not oppressed because they're almost white. Or they cause the flu. And that's another kind of thingified. Complex trauma. Black people living in a nation in which we have been thingified, commodified, made enslaved, sold, bought, ripped from our families, so-called emancipated, lynched because we got the right to vote, rights eroded and taken away, another civil rights movement, and we were earned the rights, and then the court guts the rights, and we are complexly traumatized in our bodies, in our homes, in our schools, in the world, and therefore, no excuse. We are so capable of thingifying somebody else because we're wounded. How heartbreaking is it that a traumatized person beats another traumatized person? Come on, somebody. Do you feel the grief I feel that that's where we are today? Gloria, 
Do you feel the grief I feel that that's where we are today? So um, when I was looking at this passage yesterday, and John mentions the word curse, thank you, in verse 3, he's talking about anything that is unpleasing to God. And as we continue to celebrate AAPI Heritage Month, for me, that curse that John is talking about is a xenophobia and the continued violence against the AAPI community, which stir this violence and cause people to hate, I believe, are two things. The people who are sheep who listened and followed the previous administration when he said that Chinese people started the, the pandemic. And just to be clear, my friends, the AAPI community is not a virus. And if you think otherwise, come see me later. We'll have a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> and the second one is hate or preconceived ideas that are passed on to us from our ancestors. Growing up, some of the elders were not keen of black or brown bodies. I grew up watching that racism play out, not only in my family, but also in my church. You know, and as I watched that, and I struggled with it because I was told that God is love, but on this other hand, in this church, you're making fun of people that don't look like you. And it really like, made no sense to me. We're all traumatized by, the, by COVID, we're all traumatized by the hate, we're all traumatized by the stigmatism that comes because one person with orange hair, whose name I shall not repeat, started this whole thing. And people drank the Kool-Aid. And we need, we need to get together as a people to heal, to support each other. We, we drank the Kool-Aid. We did. We, we almost can't help but drink the Kool-Aid. Mm -hmm. The Kool-Aid is the water. It's in the water. The hatred's in the water. The xenophobia's in the water. The compete with each other's in the water. The we aren't going to be each other's team is in the water. Divide and conquer's in the water. But there's another water that John talks about that's flowing from God and God's Lamb through the city. And that's the water I'm inviting us to continue to drink here, middle family. We don't have to drink the poison water. We just don't. We get to drink what we want to drink. It starts here. It flows here. And it goes out there. That's how we heal the nations. Amen.